Welcome to Artificially Intelligent Marketing, a weekly podcast where we stay on top of the latest trends, tips, and tools in the world of marketing AI, helping you get the best results from your marketing efforts. Now let's join our hosts, Paul Avery and Martin Broadhurst. Hello, and welcome to episode 30 of Artificially Intelligent Marketing. Crumbs, how did we get to episode 30? That's very exciting. Martin's here with me, Martin Broadhurst, my co-host. How are you, Martin? What have you been up to this week? Uh, I'm very good, and I have been uh, having a very busy week uh, working with lots of businesses uh, across my patch. In fact, I've delivered two workshops about getting started with generative AI this week. Uh, across the two workshops, we had 20 businesses uh, in those in those sessions. In fact, I've got two sessions coming up. I've got one uh, tomorrow in Workshop and another one in Leicester. So it's a, it's a hot topic at the moment. Both of those upcoming ones are sold out. So yeah, it's fair to say that this is a high demand uh, area at the moment, which we are both well aware of. You've been a busy boy then. That's good to hear that um, you've been getting in about and uh, preaching the benefits of generative AI. I had a kind of similar experience myself this week. I was at the Elric Drug Discovery Conference up in Liverpool, which was fab, extremely well attended, which was great to see. And while I was there, I actually gave a vendor workshop for all the vendors that were at the event um, on generative AI and the power of the tools that we talk about week in, week out on the podcast, Martin, in terms of... Uh, how they can be more effective, more efficient. So that was really great. Um, it was interesting. I did a lot of the polls that we often do in the workshops that we run. And I noticed that a lot of people had tried ChatGPT and there were even a couple of power users, but much fewer had tried image generators, interestingly. So given that the audience was predominantly marketing and sales folk, that's kind of a bit surprising to me, but I think it's another good example of when you spend as much time nerding about AI as we do, Martin, you um, you forget that uh, that a lot of folks have perhaps not been exposed to some of this stuff, um, especially I showed them the, the HeyGen example that we've talked about on the podcast a few times and that we've uh, routinely used at our, at our workshops with the, and for those of you that haven't seen it, in essence, someone records a short video on their phone, um, 30 seconds in English, and then HeyGen automatically dubs it and lip syncs it in different languages. And you really have to watch it to to see what we mean, because it at first glance looks like it was originally recorded in those languages. The audio and the lip sync is so good. Um, I also found it interesting that I'm definitely starting to see like some segmentation occurring in the people who are working in marketing. There's definitely people who are still like they know about ChatGPT, but maybe that's about it. And they're really interested to learn about other tools, but they haven't really played with them yet. And I think that's quite a large section of, of, of people in our marketing sphere that we play in. Um, there are, however, a few like ninja power users who are starting to get really to grips with all of the foundational tools across image creation, music creation, voice creation, chat GPT for text and all that other stuff. And they're starting to do more power use cases like connecting to Zapier, running multiple workflows, trying to use different data sources that they push into a table or Google Sheets that then they use as prompts in ChatGPT to automatically create um, prospecting emails that are 
automated and uh, and customized on a use case by use case basis for each individual person that they want to email. Um, so definitely seeing some of that segmentation. You, you see much of that in the workshops you're going to? Yeah, very much so. And what I'm I'm finding really interesting is that this technology is so different in terms of the adoption from people, the enthusiasm to adopt. I've been in lots of workshops in the past and sessions where, let's say, the topic is search engine optimization and business owners and marketers go, right, I'm here to learn all about this thing. I know it's really important to get found in search. And then they do the workshop. And at the end of it, they come away going, I'm still a bit frazzled. I understand its importance, but I, I just, I still don't really know how to get started because, you know, something like SEO might have the kind of dark arts element to it and a bit of, uh, mystery for for people that don't do it every day at least you know if you if you're immersed in that world you understand all of it but it can be quite jargon heavy with this it's completely different because very quickly people can see value that time to value for the user is very quick you load up uh, an interface like chat gpt and kind of show people um certainly in the workshops that i do i might take somebody's home page and stick in a prompt and get it to critique their homepage copy from a particular perspective or you know, how might they improve their copy to appeal to a particular audience. And very quickly people go, oh my God, that's a time saver. That's gonna I'm I'm gonna gonna take that away with me. In fact, one of the workshops I did this week ran a series of prompts and one of the delegates said, please send me that, email me that that content. I want to see it immediately. So the enthusiasm for people to get stuck in is so different to, to other technologies that we might have seen in this kind of digital marketing space. Yeah, I think that's, I think that's definitely what, what happens, right? People see these different use cases and then they think, oh, I can do that um, if, they, if they're showing them. And also, once you start playing with the tool and you let your creativity run a bit wild, I think you can really find ways to use it. Obviously, a lot of people are getting started with ChatGPT, but the other question that's coming up for me again and again is, outside of ChatGPT, what tools should I be using? Um, I know we've had a bit of a talk about this off-air, Martin. So, dear listener, if you are also asking your, that, yourself that question, we're going to do a little segment at the beginning here just to take you through some of our favourite tools. So, for me personally, I am using Magi a lot, which is, how can I describe it? It's basically a front end on ChatGPT, but you can also, um, so it's like a chatbot basically that you would use the same way you use ChatGPT, but you can access multiple models. So you can access Claude 2 that we've talked about a lot on the show that has its large context window and makes it perfect for summarizing stuff. You can also upload files like PDF, so you can ask them uh, the tool to summarize them or um, you can, in essence, chat with the PDF and ask questions of the document, which is especially useful if the documents are very long. And because Magi works with the API version of all these tools, and all most major tool users, certainly OpenAI, have, have stated that they won't use any information that comes into their systems via the API, you can have that much more confidence that any materials that you share within those tools are the information is not shared and used to chain the model, which I know um, is a big barrier for a lot of people wanting to use the tools. So using Magi as my, my chat GPT, Claude, everything in one place replacement. It's also got custom instructions like chat GPT, but you can 
you can in essence give it a whole suite of custom instructions that are called personas and you can choose the persona that's the most relevant for whatever you're doing so i've got master summarizer expert copywriter or i've got marketing strategist i've even got one persona that's set up to help us write the scripts that we create for the podcast so it just uh, all i do is drop a story in and then it gives me a script to play with in it so very good worth looking at another tool i use a lot is audio pen so this allows you to basically dictate emails and other things that you would ideally usually write down but for whatever reason you think faster when you're speaking or if you're out and about like when i'm walking the dog or playing with the dog in the garden i'll just speak to audio pen on my phone the difference between this and using sort of any other like transcription tool that you might have used in the past is that it uses the power of chat gpt so if i ramble a little bit like i am now um with the with what I'm trying to say or the note I'm trying to leave myself, it pushes the transcript that it captures through ChatGPT and then is able to format it in proper text. And again, you can have different personas to make that fit your email style or to create bullet point lists, whatever you might might do. My favorite image tool at the moment is ClipDrop. Um, it's got image generation capabilities in it. ClipDrop uses um, Stable Diffusion um, Stability AI's models. The image generation is pretty good. It's not as good as Midjourney and probably not as good as Dolly 3, to be honest. But the th reason I love ClipDrop is it's got a whole suite of tools. It's got background remover, spot eraser, relighting, sky replacer, um, upscaler. So many tools, really great price. Love ClipDrop. And its ability to remove backgrounds is insane. I keep throwing more and more complicated images at it, thinking I've killed it this time. And it strips the background out. Favorite use case so far for that one, Martin, is I... Um, I'm always in the need of logos and I can never find the one that's got the transparent background. And so now I just do a quick screen grab off a website, chuck it into the background remover and it comes out perfect with a transparent PNG background, which is just awesome. Um, I'm also loving finding new ways to use Dolly 3's ChatGPT vision capabilities. So both for image creation in Dolly 3, but as an example uh, for my presentation at Elric this week, I wanted a table that compared all of the different um models you could use right like bard or bing or chat gpt um because i didn't have one i don't know why i didn't have one but i did so i found a really good one online um that had some stuff that i wanted but i needed to change it because i felt it wasn't up to date and some of the stuff i didn't agree with but it was an image so i took a screen grab of the image fed it into chat gpt vision and i said there's a table in this image reproduce it as a csv so i can copy paste it into excel so i can edit it and it came out perfect so there's just so many cool things that you can do there. And then finally, on the sort of video editing and podcasting, Descript is an amazing video editor. You push your video in and then it creates a transcript of it. And then you can edit it like as a Word document. So you highlight bits of the script that you're going to cut out and then um, it just automatically edits it all for you. It's also got some nice tools in there um, to help clean up audio, although it's not as good as Adobe Podcast Enhance, which is insane. I routinely now record my talks at different events on my mobile phone. I just sit it on the plinth where I'm speaking. Hideously echoey, terrible audio. Adobe Podcast Enhance can strip out most of the background noise and either make it sound really polished, like it was professionally recorded in a uh, uh, the type of, like I was mic'd up and stuff, or even to the point where you can strip out all the background and it sounds like I was working in a, in a proper studio. So on the audio restoration 
it can really do incredible things and is worth playing with. So for all those people that keep asking me, that's the answer to that question. Martin, I know people ask you this a lot as well. What's your favorite tools to play with? Well, the tool I wouldn't live without is ChatGPT+, right? That's a given at this point, GPT-4 access um, is kind of critical. Um, but I find myself using all of the features within that Plus subscription. So um, the DALI 3 image generation is increasingly... I, I didn't do a lot of image generation. If you'd have asked me a few weeks ago... I was always playing with mid-journey. I was taking the occasional image from mid-journey and putting it into slide decks and presentations, but I wasn't doing a great deal. But now, because of the way that the prompting in ChatGPT with DALI 3 works, I find myself um, going to it much more regularly as just part of uh, part of the way that I use the tool more naturally. It's just become... Uh, because it will ask questions to improve my prompt. That's what I like about it, right? Mm. Um, and one of the things with mid-journey is I've, I often got frustrated trying to craft the perfect prompt, whereas now this does some of the hard work for you. The Browse with Bing functionality has, uh, has actually meant that one of the tools that I was using really regularly, which was Perplexity AI, uh, I'm using slightly less now, which is a shame because I've just bought the annual subscription. <laughs> um, but... Perplexity, because it's a real-time search engine and it's all running the answers through GPT-4, was, was really useful for, for getting AI content about to-the-minute facts and information. But actually now, I find the browser with Bing is, is doing that for me. So I was working with a client um, this week. They um, needed to they needed some content for the website that was reflective of some legal changes in their industry from September this year. So, you know, within the past three weeks, um, we switched on browse with Bing. We ran a few prompts. We got the content that we needed to stick on the website and, and update a marketing email. And that was done in, in seconds. So that was, uh, that was really useful. Uh, unlike you, I don't have audio pen, um, but instead, I have the Zapier workflows that connect through Whisper API. So I'm always recording voice notes on my phone and just uploading them to Google Drive, which then goes to Zapier, sending them off to Whisper and running them through a sequence of different uh, transcriptions. Audio transcription for me is, is one of the biggest um, efficiency gains that I personally get from AI. So whether it's recording voice notes when I'm out and about or you know doing conference talks if i'm if i'm doing a conference talk or if i'm at a conference listening to a talk i'll take the transcription and try and capture some notes from from the sessions um, but also being on meetings right so i like everyone these days i'm either in in front of chat gpt or i'm on a zoom call an ms teams call or a google meet call or something like that having all of those transcribed for me is is a godsend it's made my admin much easier it's made if i'm on a sales call it's made the post call follow-up so much more effective and that's because i use a tool called laxis um hopefully getting laxis uh, ceo eric on uh very soon great to have him on on the podcast but that does a great job of just capturing all the notes writing the follow-up emails giving me the action items um and actually what I do with that 
I'll often take the full transcript from a call and stick that into uh, the other tool. That if, if you were to say I could have two tools and I couldn't be without them, or maybe maybe, maybe three, maybe three. I'm really struggling. The, the 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 thought of having to go down to two then made me struggle. It made me have heart palpitations. Um, the ones that I couldn't get rid of would be probably Laxis, ChatGPT Plus, and Claude. The 100,000 token context window, the amount of uh, information that you can feed into it and the outputs that you can get as a result of that context window, I just, uh, it's a daily driver for me. In fact, I'm using that easily two or three times a day, um, every day even no weekends, you know, it's just so uh, ingrained in, in my life at this point. Uh, so yeah, that's a, that is definitely a big one on the audio side of things. I don't use uh, Descript because I don't have the editing skills that, that you have, but, um, I have started playing and using over the past, uh, the past month, I've got a subscription to 11 labs and 11 labs is the voice synthesis tool that we've featured on this. And it does a great job of creating synthetic voices. It can clone your own voice. Um, we featured it, uh, on, on a recent episode where it had the dubbed version uh, of my voice in, into Italian. And it's a really neat little tool. And I've been using that to create little audio snippets for social media videos for myself, uh, showing clients and proposing that we build this into some of their social campaigns as well. And uh, yeah, so far, people are very receptive to it. I think one of the things that that people like about it is, well, you know what it's like trying to do voiceover, right? It, and there's loads of voiceover artists online. You can get them from marketplaces pretty, pretty cheap, pretty efficiently, and they do great work. And whilst I don't want to take work away from voiceover artists, if a client is knocking up a 30 second social video that needs a little bit of audio with some spoken words over the top of it, and they can do it in something like 11 labs and it takes them, like they can do it in five or 10 minutes. That's so much more efficient from their workflow compared to writing the draft, putting it on a, on a board, getting the voiceover artists to respond, going back and forth, getting the recording, feeding the amends. All of that is is a headache, and if I I really don't like that AI is going to be taking those kind of jobs away from people. But there's a reality to this that actually, I think that's an area where where some voiceover work is going to be lost to to AI like Eleven Labs. Well, and if we look at some of the applications of where you might want to do audio on a person by person basis, like if you're doing sales prospecting and you want to leave like a personal voice note. In theory, you could probably start to synthesize that, whether or not that's a bit disingenuous for the people who get those notes. I'm sure we'll learn to, learn to sniff those out like we do the um, prospecting emails that do a terrible job of making us think that they're just for us. But yeah, I, I hear you on that one. That's a tricky one. But um, like you said, like the other thing that often happens is when you get the audio back, you're like, oh, actually, I wish the script had been this instead. And of course, you could just make that change instantly if you use a tool like Eleven Labs versus re-recording and rebriefing and all that other stuff. Yeah, exactly. And that's where the benefit comes. That's where the efficiency game comes because you can iterate quicker. You can just produce 20 different versions and pick the one that you like. And you can do that sat at your desk rather than having to go back and forth with, with, with a recording artist. 
Um, yeah, so that's um, they're they're the tools that I'm using. They're, I mean, there's other tools that I'm, I'm I'm big on and are part of my core workflow. So um, HubSpot suite of AI tools, I use them regularly for for drafting emails. Principally, I'm using the the content assistant. I'm not using their lead forecasting for myself, but certainly rolling that out um, with clients. Um, I mentioned mid-journey already for image creation, but that is getting increasingly uh, lower usage since Dali 3 is coming out. Um, but one tool that I am finding myself uh, using more and more since the recent updates that we did discuss on the show is GoCharlie. Um, so I've had GoCharlie for, for a while, and they recently released their marketing agent, as it were, and you can give it commands and it will go off and perform tasks. And I'm finding that really useful, particularly for video summarization from YouTube videos. It's not the only thing I'm using it for, but that is something I'm using that for, you know, two or three times a week. I'm absolutely turning to go, Charlie, to, to capture some great extracts from long form video content. Cool, cool. Well, there you have it, dear listeners. Um, obviously, we get asked this a lot. There is a a bullet point whistle stop tour of a billion tools for you to go try but um, they are based on us trying at least 10 times as many tools as what we just described many of which we left behind because we didn't really feel like they really did much to our to our workflow and of course and i think most people certainly those listening to the podcast are probably already going to be here if you're going to start anywhere you start with chat gpt plus because it just has so much power in it it's probably going to be able to do 80% of the things that most marketers want to be able to do. And then when you want to get into more exotic use cases like editing video, creating video, creating synthetic voices for audio versions of your blog posts and all this other stuff, then of course, some of those tools will help. Right. Let's get into the news, Martin, the new ooze. What have we got as the first news story this week? So we've got big news coming out of Jasper. Um, Jasper AI, one of the uh, the first tools on the market to really make use of the GPT-3 API. They put a front end on it and made it really easy for marketers to create marketing copy. They did all the prompting in the back end and just gave a really nice UI for people to be able to create content. And they've been on the market for a few years now. Well, as the market has evolved, um, so has the need for products like Jasper to evolve. So while it was once primarily a generative AI tool for quick content creation, it's now seeking to become an AI co-pilot for marketers with a much greater focus on strategy. So this is uh, a significant expansion um, for the for the product, but also for the for the company there. Uh, just had record-breaking Series A funding and recently had a change at the top of the company. They've got a new CEO, the former Dropbox president, Timothy Young. So the founding CEO has recently moved roles. So this expansion is very much multifaceted. It's designed not only to accelerate, but also improve marketing performance across a range of areas, not just on content production. So one of uh, the areas that they're looking at, they're looking at uh, analytics and insights, including real-time performance analytics on content with AI recommendations to optimize any underperforming content. 
as well as uh, one-click deployment for content revisions. So fully integrated into your workflow. And this is really what they're about now. It's about helping execute tasks as well as create um, as well as create content. They've got uh, what they're calling a company intelligence hub, which is a central storage for all of your brand voice. Now, this is an area that we know companies really struggle with when it comes to tools like ChatGPT just sounding a bit too generic. So Jasper are tackling this straight on. You can upload all of your company documents into the central storage. You can have strategy documents and other wider institutional knowledge, all of which will help the AI to create less generic outputs and reduce inaccuracies and bring that knowledge into the output so it can be more kind of fine-tuned, as it were, uh, to your own company information. Um, and it also allows for kind of dynamic updating, right? You can import new documents and that gets incorporated into the model straight away. <clears throat> as well as that, they've got some wider marketing campaign tools. So what they're calling the campaign acceleration tools, including integrated assignments, comments, and scheduling to improve uh, team collaboration. And they are doing features such as AI summaries of feedback from teams and one-click automation of revisions. Um, all of which shows that they're really moving away from being a tool for kind of solopreneurs or single entrepreneurs where uh, I think, you know, that was a big market for them in the early days. It was, you know, they were one of the first AI writing tools on the market. So if they could help really small businesses to produce content quickly, that's very much where they were positioning themselves. But this change and this repositioning it's squarely putting them at the, uh, trying to get them in front of teams, mm. right? marketing teams. This is about collaboration, about security, um, about feedback and revisions and all of that kind of thing. Um, just on that point, actually, they have uh, enterprise controls coming. So they've got API availability for platform integration which presumably is how they'll be doing things like the one-click deploying of content and the, the revisions. You can easily imagine Jasper being fully integrated with the HubSpot marketing suite, and you could deploy it, um, getting the content from Jasper into an email marketing campaign or a blog or a product page on the CMS. Um, they've also included SOC2 compliance for added security, and they've added more administrative tools which will give greater levels of control over things like user permissions and workspaces, both uh, private and public. So yeah, it's a big shift for Jasper. You can see where they're heading. Right? Obviously, they, they couldn't just be a content creation tool anymore because you, know, you can do all of that kind of stuff with a well-crafted prompt using Bing Chat AI, which is free, right? Mm -hmm. um, so... If they're going to get value, if they're going to continue to offer value to, to companies, they, they've got to move up market and basically make sure that they are a, a real, well, as they call it themselves, marketing co-pilot for teams. I think this is a really smart move because, and as a callback to the beginning of the episode, we're often asked what is great a, a great tool for creating content and writing, and ultimately... ChatGPT 4 is probably still the best tool, in my opinion. Um, I've tried 
Jasper. I've tried Copy AI. We were piloting and testing a tool called Writer, uh, R-Y-T-R, before ChatGPT was released, I don't know, probably two years ago, something like that. And I think where a lot of these tools like Jasper were in risk is kind of being sort of augmenting people's writing by having lots of templates that write in different marketing frameworks like Ada or whatever, but actually not not really necessarily being that helpful compared to just using ChatGPT. This is a really powerful mechanism to really differentiate Jasper as to why would you buy it over the other stuff. I think you're bang on. And, um, and actually, it gives me a bit of FOMO. I can't say I've had much FOMO when it comes to most of the writing tools. I was pretty just happy using ChatGPT or in my case, Magi, which is just really a front end for ChatGPT. But I could see how a lot of that stuff would actually be really quite useful, um, especially for larger companies. So as is proving the case, you can't really make any hard and fast decisions on what tools are going to be good and not. You've got to pay attention to all the different changes that are happening in the space so that as tools release new things and it brings them back into contention, you know, and then you can go test them and play with them and see just how capable they've become. So Jasper's back on my go test it list. Cool. Um, Good story. Thank you for sharing that, Martin. Into the next story then. And this one's an interesting one about... um, Anthropic and Universal Music. So Universal Music has lodged a copyright infringement lawsuit against Anthropic, which for those of you who are regular listeners of the podcast will know, has created one of the large language models, Claude 2. And the reason is that that Universal Music has accused Anthropic of generating nearly identical copies of lyrics from Universal's artist via um, the, the chatbot Claude. Universal, along with Concord and Abco filed the lawsuit in a US court stating that when Claude is prompted for lyrics to songs like Glory Again As I Will Survive, it produces a near verbatim rendition. Anthropic, which has investments from Amazon and Google, has yet to respond to the allegations. This is quite interesting because we know that Anthropic's Claude is trained in a slightly different way and um, its reinforcement learning is a bit different from how ChatGPT works i haven't heard anything like this coming out of chat gpt but i don't know mine does this flag to us that for all the claude love that we give on the podcast especially yourself is it maybe slightly more likely to produce things that are a bit more plagiarized that are not just driven by its clever vector models and that actually there's a little bit of reproduction happening here i don't know what do you think and too early to, to tell, I, I wouldn't be surprised if we see similar suits coming out against OpenAI and ChatGPT in the future. It wouldn't surprise me. I'm not saying that is likely at all, but it, um, <clears throat> or it is, you know, I don't have any inside knowledge that these cases are pending. But, um, I think as more companies do more of these kinds of experiments on large language models, they're going to come across, uh, Cases where, yeah, clearly copyright data has been put into it. And if you get the prompts just right, it will spit out something very similar. There was, um, yeah, there, there was the example with, uh, Katy Perry's Raw, um, which was a big thing in this story as well. Um, so yeah, it's, they've clearly got it across 
a bunch of different artists. I think there was one also where the um, the prompt asked it to write a story about somebody's death. It was a high-profile person, and it came back with lyrics of a song that was actually a real song that was about that person's death. Clearly, they were trying to trick the the model into recreating a a piece of recreating a song uh so yeah i think anthropic's got some uh answering to do here i don't really know what the you know what what is the case is it that it was trained on on it or that it that it generated the content because if i ask you to write me a song and you come up with a song that has lyrics that are nearly identical to katy perry's raw for instance um I guess you would be, if I was to then publish that, you, you, me, or both could be, could be sued for, for, for publishing it, but for just, for just recreating them and writing them down, do you get, is that, is that worthy of a legal complaint in and of itself? Well, I guess it's interesting. A, it would definitely imply its ability to reproduce them pretty much verbatim would imply that the song words were included in the hmm. training material. Yeah, without so, doubt. So I suspect that's where the main issue lies. Um, in terms of producing aspects, like I could definitely imagine use cases where I would love to use a really good quote from an author or a famous person, but I just can't quite remember the quote. So I go ask ChatGPT or Claude in this case to give me that quote and remind me of it instead of using Google. And then where, you know, where does that issue lie? And um, if you search for song ly lyrics, you will be able to find them in snippets on Google's search results page if you really wanted to find Gloria, Gloria Gaynor's lyrics. So yeah, it's, I think it's going to come back down to training. And this is probably the best example yet that any of these companies has found to prove unequivocally almost that their their IP was used in the training. I, I think that's why this is important. But I think we're going to, we, we know that that copyright material was was included in the training. So I'm really interested to see the specific legal challenge here. Um because is it effectively just the music version of the the Sarah Silverman case against OpenAI and and their training? In which case, you know, I think these language model companies have they're going to have to change their revenue structures or the way that they do licensing. I mean, you you know, how are you given the the way that they work? Every time you put a query into one of these models the inference will check the whole model, right? It doesn't just go off to a certain domain. It, it runs it against the whole massive model. You can't charge on a per inference basis. I, I, I just don't understand. Clearly smarter people than me are going to have to work out that, that license. They're going to have to figure this out. And I think one of the complexities here is if Sarah Silverman feels like her entire book was used in the training of a large language model, either because the digital version was accessed or procured somehow. That's one thing. The, the, the lyrics to lots of songs float around on the web because people want to know what they are. You couldn't really access them at the, 
at the start of the web that wasn't something you could easily get hold of and so these massive websites sprung up where you could get the lyrics to any song well we know that a lot of these large language models were trained based on content found across the web and that actually the emergence of the world wide web is a is an important precursor to even being able to have these models exist so what do you do then if you're if you're open ai and you're training your model and like there's 52 ver- like copies of Gloria gainers lyrics on what on these sites that by the way universal music hasn't pulled down over the last 20 years for whatever reasons um how are you supposed to stop that ending up in your in your material or then by default do you then assume that everything on the web was actually copyright material because somebody wrote it and and owned it in some way and oh it's so complicated in fact probably spend the next two hours trying to debate this even though neither of us have any real legal background um, and therefore probably not the qualifications to do so suffice to say Martin if you're a marketer you've got to keep a close eye on how this is all drifting because I guess one potential is at some point the tools that we've come to know and love they all get stopped and we're not allowed to use them for some period while all this gets sorted out I don't think they'll ever disappear forever I think there's just too much commercial opportunity for all the people who've built them and even the people whose stuff got used to train them. Yeah. And with open source models out there, you know, the the genie is out of the bottle. Uh, Just to to pull it back, before we move on to this story, the the song that I was referring to, I've got the story in front of me. Uh, It said, uh, the complaint used the example prompt, write me a song about the death of Buddy Holly which led the large language model to spit out the lyrics to Don McLean's American Pie word for word. Interesting. Especially given that, um, I, mean, I, I assume just that stanza that's about, because the whole, anyway, the whole song's got loads of other bits in it. But yeah, I, I think as marketers, fundamentally, we're going to have to keep an eye on this in case it influences how we can use the tools. Certainly, the same things apply if you're using chat gpt don't use the outputs as they are as they come out there's a whole host of reasons not to do that but the first is you can't copyright them that seems to be where legal precedent is drifting um the, if you use them as is often the writing will be a little bit stilted and a bit samey there's lots of kind of like grammar loops it loves to start a sentence with this for example which is not necessarily great writing so edit the outputs a lot you want them in your own brand voice you want to and some insight that ChatGPT doesn't have that your own brand and your own subject matter experts have. Run your content through a plagiarism te- uh, detector to make sure that ChatGPT hasn't just lifted any content out that somehow made it through your rigorous edit um, and is still present in your copy. Look, all these things are still just really, really good advice. And if this story develops and it impacts how we're as marketers able to use these tools, well, dear listener, You'll be sure to hear about it first on the Artificially Intelligent Marketing Podcast. Should we, um, should we put those song lyrics to bed? Right. The next story is uh, it's with you, Martin. It's about celebrity clones. Yeah. So in a uh, compelling mix of fan service and AI, high-profile prominent figures such as Tim Ferriss and Scott Galloway have trained some AI chatbots on their accumulated body of works, including their podcasts and all of their blog posts, which, you know, is a large volume of content. Um, the promise of these chatbots is 
uh, simple and captivating. Pose a question and your favorite thought leader uh, will answer based on their previous statements and insights. So you get your own Scott Galloway in your pocket, so to speak. Um, which is quite a neat and handy way to distill the mountains and mountains of content that they've written over the many years. So this is a digital trend that is not just confined to business gurus. Meta is pushing the envelope further by introducing celebrity-inspired chatbots on Instagram, where users can interact with AI versions, AI avatars, of their favorite stars, such as the YouTube sensation, Mr. Beast. So these initiatives are more about prioritizing entertainment over practicality, admittedly, uh, and pending the results of the popularity, they could pave the way for new and innovative uh, use cases as yet not seen. Um, so the target market for this is likely to be Gen Z, um, who are particularly taken with character AIs, companion chatbots, where you can um, chat with various different characters with their AI avatars. So this poses the question about whether it could be a significant trend in the influencer marketing space. Right? This, If AI avatars, and we already see actually AI created, well, actually, I'm not going to say AI, have influences. It's more the CGI created and managed avatars mm. um, are very big in the influencer world. Now, if we can do this with AI as well, um, who needs real people? You know, why, why, why pay real people for their influence when it could just be an AI created character? Uh, yeah, what did you think about this one? How do you fancy a Tim Ferriss in your pocket? Yeah, it's interesting. So there's a there's a sort of futurist that I follow called Peter Diamandis and he's already got, I think it's called Peter Bot, um, which I've had a play with. And there's two versions. The free version is like ChatGPT, but it's influenced by Peter Diamandis's writings and podcasts. So it produces information um, related to what he usually talks about, but also with his trademark optimism and excitement, which is kind of nice. And then if you pay, it will actually create a Hey Gen-like version of Peter's who he actually speaks and it's video, um, which I think is just a really interesting exploration of this. Certainly, I can see the um, continuation of big, of big personalities, big celebrities, big thought leaders, you know, the Simon Sinek's of the world doing something similar, um, either as part of their own offering or licensing their content and likenesses. But if you follow it even further, because I think one of the key things with all of this AI-driven tech is just how quickly it becomes really cheap and anyone can basically do it, that if you've got a load of material on your own company website um, or your blog posts and what have you, how do you approach this as a brand? Do you have like a a new synthetic human uh, AI influencer stroke thought leader that's basically trained on all the content you've ever produced for your company? Do you choose uh, one of your subject matter experts to be that person? Um, I think we're going to see a lot more of that. I know you and I might get asked a lot about customer service chatbots and training them on 
um, internal company information that your human customer service reps would use to answer questions. And this is like an extension of that, I think, wherein you can ask opinions and, and, and more thought leadership driven aspects. Um, so I think that will be interesting. Will we see a revolt of where people are like, no, no, I really want to see what the real Simon Sinek's got to say, not the shallow AI interpretation of Simon Sinek. Uh, that um, remains to be seen. There's probably space for a, um, a Martin Broadhurst in my pocket and a real Martin Broadhurst on the podcast, um, probably because they have different use cases, right? Um, but I think it's kind of cool. And again, harking back to the beginning of the podcast, there are people who are, oh, I can do some stuff with ChatGPT in there at that stage of development and, and sort of interest in all of this as a topic. But there'll be people now who are already starting to imagine those, those that are sort of surfing this wave right on the edge that how can I use this for my company? How can we use that as a mechanism of standing out from competitors? How can we use it to create buzz? How can we use it to provide a better service to our customers? Um, and I think those people will be that what they do with this is going to be what drives the future of this is people figuring out useful applications and hopefully, and we talked about this on a previous episode, not getting caught out when uh, somehow nefarious actors are able to trick prompt them into saying something or doing something that they shouldn't. Well, that was exactly what was going through my head just then is, is, you know, from a, from a brand reputation perspective, there's quite a, quite a lot on the line for these individuals, right? It's one thing for a major corporation to have an automated chatbot that says something it, it shouldn't, but a hey gen talking avatar self made <laughs> you know self self published uh deep fake effectively right chatting with somebody offering a bit of support guidance insight but one that just goes a bit off the rails and tells someone to i don't know kill themselves or 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 what have you right that's a bad look that's a bad look for your major high profile influencer. Um, so that's something that you guarantee it's going to happen at some point, right? I agree. Definitely I, gonna happen I think to that some. will definitely happen. Some, some chat bot somewhere in a, if with the likeness, either in the voice of, or even the video is going to, that is going to happen. They're going to find ways to trick it, to say things that it shouldn't. And it's going to be a major news story. How that influences brands and personalities and, and you know, and famous people as to whether they want to do this or not is, um, is going to be interesting. Honestly, uh, the reason I haven't created, cause as you know, I've got access to the Hey Gen beta. And the, the thing that stopped me doing it so far is what happens when I have trained a model on me? There's now a synthetic version of me, which is fine when I'm in charge of it. And I'm, you know, I'm not particularly well-known or important, but someone else could get, get hold of access to that and make me say and do things that I wouldn't normally do. I don't know who the producers of that tool are and what other, you know, plans they may have for, for my likeness. Um, probably none for the reasons already said, but like it's, it's enough to stop me doing it. And my risk profile is extremely low. Um, so Snoop Dogg, you know, Tim Ferriss, um, do they 
have more to worry about probably so i think it'd be interesting to see how it plays out right one more story this week probably get a feel listeners it's been a little bit of a lighter week actually on the ai stories um but we've got one more which is actually a continuation of um chat gpt vision so we talked about this a couple of weeks ago some of the cool early use cases um we mentioned one at the beginning of the podcast feeding it a picture of a table and then actually having it engineer that into a real table in excel that you can actually edit but what we've spotted this week is a few other really interesting use cases floating around the web of how as a marketer you can use ChatGPT's new vision capabilities not just some of the cool more general use cases that were popping up so i think one of the ones i really like martin was um marketers taking screenshots of high-performing landing pages or websites that they really admire and then asking um chapter t vision to like break the website down and sort of use it as an exploration as to why it might be working well and what features to emulate or um asking it for critical feedback on your own website the difference here being you know between just pasting copy in you'll get feedback on your copy but if you take a screen grab of your site because ChatGPT's visions capabilities are so incredible it can actually see your website and talk about spacing, colors, design, and all of those other things, structural elements, which I thought was awesome. You can also apply that to um, extending it to other materials like PowerPoint slide decks and all these other things. Just take a screen grab and then you can get critique. And of course, it can read the copy in those as well. So you're getting design input, you're getting your um, copy reviewed all in one go yeah i i actually did the landing page one took a mobile screenshot of a landing page that i'd created um put it into gpt4 vision and it was the spacing that just caught me off guard actually because i was expecting it to critique the copy and and the flow and the general structure but actually it highlighted um a section on it where it said it was all a little bit cramped and the padding and the margin was was off um, and I hadn't really considered that. Nice, nice. I think that's. I think it's going to be really useful because just you know, having nearly worked fifteen years in agencies, some people seem to develop a really good design eye for balance, spacing. Some people have that attention to detail where they can see that the margins off. Um, but your ability to just feed that through a tool. I mean, at the moment, this is all very piecemeal, right? One by one, screen grab. But if OpenAI open this up as an API, which one assumes they probably will, given they have pretty much all the rest of their tools, then at some point, someone's going to build a tool that automatically screen grabs every page of your website, feeds every page through a tool, and then gives you critical feedback on how to improve it. And given the example you gave us from Jasper earlier with its one-click content upload deployments, how long before you can just one click fix a load of padding issues on your website because this vision tool was able to to detect them all so that's pretty awesome the um the other thing i saw this week which i thought was nice is um and i guess it's kind of obvious and we've talked about it a little bit off air but for those people that love to do like write handwritten notes to themselves or brainstorm on a whiteboard and I take, I've taken so many pictures over the years at workshops of like sticky notes on a wall and all this other stuff. But the ability of ChatGPT Vision to actually just suck all the text out of those and turn them into like written notes that you can now use digitally to share as a follow up after the meeting or for you to index and search later 
makes it a pretty um, pretty powerful tool for that. So if you haven't played with that yet, definitely worth a play. That is a a, a real benefit if you're at a, if you're in a meeting. Um, so I was at a client meeting. I tend not to make handwritten notes because I just don't really. Um, to be honest, I never go back and check them. I'm not as diligent in going back and reading them as I should be. But I took the photo, extracted the text, and um, yeah, just took it into into my CRM and, and all was good. Yeah, I think it's really, really cool use case. And I think there's going to be loads more that, that come out of this. Um, another screen grab one was people who were not so au fait with like a software tool screen grabbing it and then asking for an explanation on how to use it or how to interpret information in it. So the example I saw was Google Analytics dashboard, but of course I think you could apply this to any analytical software that you're perhaps not au fait with. And in the example I saw, someone took a picture of uh, their, their Google Analytics dashboard and were asking questions about what the different stats mean and what the trends might mean for their marketing and stuff like that. So I thought that was a pretty cool one as well. Um, so yeah, I think I think we always talk about, don't we, Martin, on the podcast that using ChatGPT is as much about user imagination as it is the power of the tool because these things don't come with your traditional software manual. They don't have like preset eight things they can do and then you learn them and then you know how to use it. How you interact and prompt these tools and the creativity you bring to that process is going to open up new applications for you. And now that ChatGPT can see, not just hear and read, really opens up a lot of interesting things that we probably haven't even begun to think of what they might be. Yeah, so I had an example of that in one of the workshops this week where somebody, um, they worked in in property and property investment, and they were talking about trying to get investor packs put together. Um, and they often had various bits of artwork or they had some photography from from developments that they were working on um and they were just describing how much time it would take them to to write a bit of copy around you know certain elements of these investment packs and um we just he said could we could could it do could it do this for us um so we found a kind of fairly generic example of the kind of picture that he would typically use in his investment pack put that in, wrote a few prompts, did it live in the session, and there you go. It created the content for him, and he, he couldn't really believe his eyes. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's, it's as much having the imagination and the creativity and identifying the problem and saying, could it do this thing, and then trying it. That's where you find the, the magic. Yeah, I, I agree. So there you have it, folks. If you haven't had a play with ChatGPT Vision yet, the easiest way is actually to start screen grabbing things on your computer, save that as an image and start plugging it in. Um, think of interesting questions to ask. Like even if it's, um, what color is this? Like you want to find a hex code. <laughs> yeah. You could just take a screen grab of like the button that you're trying to reproduce and ask for the hex code. Um, you can grab images and say Dolly and, and say ChatGPT if I wanted to create an image like this what would be like a good prompt that I could use and so it'll reverse engineer prompts and give you prompt ideas so yeah it really is a pretty awesome pretty awesome tool well I think that's all we've got time for this week Martin I think so 
Well, um, thanks always to you lovely listeners. We really appreciate you spending your time with us um, wherever you may be, dog walking, in the gym, sat in your office, um, hanging out with your pals and and saying, God, these are cool stories and sharing them with all your friends, which I'm sure everybody does. Um, if you are not subscribed yet, get subscribed. Um, visit artificiallyintelligentmarketing.com. You can subscribe to the newsletter or you can subscribe to this um, on all your favorite podcasting platforms. Martin, thanks so much for your time. I look forward to hanging out with you again next week. I'll speak to you next week, Paul. Thank you for listening to Artificially Intelligent Marketing. To stay on top of the latest trends, tips, and tools in the world of marketing AI, be sure to subscribe. We look forward to seeing you again next week.